0: Most of us, the older we get, the less we want to change. Well, here at Nominee, we might be 20 years old, but we love change. That's why we remixed our recipe almost every year since Nominee began all those years ago. Even keeping some of your favorites, like Nominee Extra Strength. One thing will never change. All pure deradiated water. Taken from the deepest depths of the earth, mixed with the freshest hops, wheat, and grass, to give you the cleanest taste of drinking in town. Nominee beer. It's pure than water.
1: This is Alicia August and you're listening to Seeds. Elizabeth Namany lives a few kilometres from the high priest's house in a huge immaculate structure that she faux humbly calls a house. It looks like one of those tiny houses you might see at the Museo Magnifica. I decided to take the long route from my place. I could have gotten there quicker, but that route would have taken me through the red dusts. I know, I know many of you think the dust dunes are harmless, but if that were truly true... Why don't more of you go visit them? Because you know it means death. So, paranoid superstition or not, I didn't want to journey through the red dusts just to save 20 minutes or so. As soon as you enter the gates, about a kilometer from our front door, it looms from atop an autumnal red hill. We used to call it Burnt Back Hill, but that's another story. Below the house, about a hundred multipliers pick wheat, hops and grass for the beer that makes the naminees living for them. Namani beer, the best beer in Silitra. Well, it's the only beer in Silitra, so I guess it's good. As I stepped up to the door, I caught my reflection in an old shard of glass. It must have been humid because my hair had frizzed up into an unruly puff of red fur, Not how I wanted to look for my interview with Salitra's unanointed first lady. I knocked. Marianne Elizabeth Namini is hard of hearing, so I guess she must have been waiting right next to the door because before I got to my third knock, the door swung wide open. You don't get too many visitors out this far. Also, Marianne Elizabeth Namini was dressed in the finest clothes I've ever seen outside of camera pictures. A purple necklace strapless tube top with pants made of that incredibly rare lycra material, the process for which we've long lost. Added to that, she wore a pair of vintage mesh ballroom shoes, complete with a big tick detail that used to symbolise the social stature of the wearer. Tacky. My anxiety about my hair subsided when I saw that her hair had peeled back at the seams, revealing that she was in fact wearing a wig. Maybe I should have said something, but... Nerves got the better of me. I'd sent word ahead to tell her I was on my way over, but I never said why.
0: Please make yourself a house. In my my home. I mean in my house. (laughs) Make it home. Come on in.
1: I'm so glad I caught that. You might think it's paranoid, but I always, always leave at least one of my recorders on. You never know what you might catch when you listen back. On the way to the kitchen, through the house's long hallway, punctuated by door after door leading to the various wings of the home, you'll find pictures dotted along each wall. They tell a story about the happiest couple who ever lived, Marianne Elizabeth Namany and her husband Bertrand. The day they met, at a fun fair where they fell in love, A couple of holidays to far-off places, their wedding day, the day they broke ground on the building of their house, the day they moved in, Marianne Elizabeth Namine's funeral, Bertrand's funeral. Of course, none of these things ever actually happened. No one in our lifetimes has ever seen a real funfair. No one's even sure exactly what they were, or what was so fun about them. There are no holidays. There's nowhere else to go. Every one of these pictures was a fabrication. That's all pictures are, anyway. A way to present your life to the world, in the way you wish people would see it. Seems pretty vain, but then, who am I to judge? I make a living by speaking about other people's lives as if I'm genuinely emotionally invested in them. Marianne Elizabeth Namine led me past her wall of charades and into her kitchen which had been built and set up to look almost like it was some kind of old farmhouse kitchen, with fresh cow's milk and baked bread laid out, along with plenty of other pieces of long extinct fruit and vegetables. All of them plastic.
0: Is this going to be on your pitch cast? Do you listen to the show? I'll listen to this one for sure.
1: Before we got started, Marianne Elizabeth Namine made us both a cup of nettle tea, she went to spoon some sugar into my tea, but missed, spilling it all over the table. She apologised for the error, but I wasn't judging.
0: I'll do your little show on one condition. What's that? you got to use my full name every time you say it. That's the Namine brand. You ain't got to pay me, but I'd best get something out of it.
1: To be honest, I wasn't going to pay Marianne Elizabeth Namine anyway. But I didn't understand why that seemed so important to her. Especially since the Namanese run the only beer company in Sellitra, so in the world. She handed me a contract to the effect that if I didn't use her full name every time I used her name at all, I would have to pay her. She also offered to pay me for an advertising slot, which I wasn't about to turn down, no matter what I thought of her.
0: Got one of them multipliers trying to compete gotta make sure people don't go thinking there might be competition now. Oh yeah? What are they called? What? So you can blast it all over the pitchfork? And don't you take me out of context. I know what you're like.
1: I signed the contract, and also made a mental note to try out the competition. We started off with the same questions the prosecution asked at the trial. Where you were on the night in question...
0: ...sitting right here in this very seat.
1: What did you see? Marianne points out the window to the forest. It's about 300 yards away from her house. I
0: saw that Hunden piece of shit running straight past my house. He ran into the forest, towards Per Mate's house, where he killed
1: him. Speculation? Although, I guess not. Did you know Mate personally? Marianne Elizabeth Naminey took a piece of fruit from her bowl, some long yellow thing. It didn't look like it could ever have been tasty, but I guess it must have been. Otherwise, why would they make it into plastic?
0: Did my confessions and recitations.
1: But did you know him personally? Did you ever have dinner together, play a board game? Ann Elizabeth Namani looked up to the roof, thinking about what I'd just asked her. She waited a couple of seconds, then shook her head.
0: Would you like a piece of fruit?
1: I stared down at the bowl of plastic fruits. Some people like to pretend they're eating a thing that doesn't exist. They even masticate, like they can taste the taste of a thing they've never consumed. My imagination is not good enough for that. She handed me a green and red thing They used to call it an apple. I recognised it from a torn encyclopaedia I saw once at the Museo Magnifica. Have an orange. I took the apple. I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be an apple. For just a second, her face flashed with anger at me. Kind of like when you prove a schoolteacher that they're wrong. But then, remembering her manners, her face became awash with polite indifference.
0: Aw, sweetie, have you ever seen a piece of fruit before? No, I didn't think so. Trust me, sweetie, it's an orange. Try it, it's
1: delicious. Now she'd removed two pieces from the stack of other exotic fruits, you could see where she'd gnawed on it before. In the bowl, the rest of the fruit rolled around to fit into the gap left by the long yellow thing and the apple that definitely wasn't an orange, revealing the balled-up rag she'd used to make it seem like she had more than she really did. I know it on a section of the apple that appeared unscathed. There's nothing
0: better than night orange on a hot petrogen morning. It's delicious. Thank
1: you. I tried to imagine what an apple would have tasted like, but then I could never know. This just tasted like plastic, nothing and stale spit. I wanted this interview to be over before I got the chance to partake in any more of the Namani's symbols of wealth. Okay, and what time was that exactly? When you saw Yanderu. Like I said, 10 o'clock. Are you sure it was 10 o'clock?
0: That's what I told you.
1: Do you mind me asking, how did you know it was 10 o'clock? It's just, I don't see any clocks in this room.
0: Listen, lady, don't take the nominee name for granted. Everything we say and do is specific down to the milliliter, so it can taste as refreshing and pure as possible. And if I say he was here at 10, I mean he was here at 10. On the button.
1: I couldn't tell if that was an argument or an advertisement. Either way, I wasn't about to push my luck. Marianne Elizabeth Namine said she knew what time it was because of the clock in the hallway. I asked her if she would usually get up and go to see what time it was throughout the day.
0: I check that clock every hour on the hour. Checking how long till my perfect Bert gets home from working with the liars
1: liars. She means multipliers. But then, actually, she does mean liars. I've seen firsthand what working with the liars really means. I asked Marianne Elizabeth Namani if she wouldn't mind me taking a look around the back, just to see if there was anything the militia might have missed. She gnawed a bit more on her long yellow fruit, tugging at the end of it which hung on by a thick thread of plastic.
0: We've got nothing to hide.
1: I doubted that very much. In this house, there was plenty hiding in plain sight, but you'd never know what it was. When I first entered, I thought this place looked like a perfect little model, like those old toy houses, quaint. I even felt that familiar little pang of jealousy. But now that I've been sitting there for a while, it all just felt a little uncanny. Almost everything you looked at was vintage, but new, including Marianne Elizabeth Namine. The walls are covered in old, flowery wallpaper, salvaged from the poisonous wrecks outside Sellitra. But that wallpaper is covered in thin coats of fresh paint. If you look hard enough, you can see the degradation peering out from underneath. From the hard oak lintels of the window frames, ants pour in. But you can only catch them in your peripherals. You'd never see them from this far away if you weren't looking for them tablecloth on her perfectly laid oak slab is bright and floral but it's got tiny little pock marked red stains which someone has tried to clean but the stains remain nonetheless the polished silverware has clearly been polished and by that i mean violent streaks tarnish all of it as if someone gave their old try and polish it but just gave up if it wasn't for all this, I may not have noticed the most incongruous feature of Marianne Elizabeth Namine's time capsule. The clock in the hallway. The one that Marianne Elizabeth Namine uses to tell the time. It said 11.33. Why is that weird? Well, according to the clock on my recorder, which I set every day from the Pitchfork network, it was actually three minutes past 12.00. On the button. At the door, Marianne Elizabeth Namany transformed back to her learned manners. She thanked me for taking the time to visit her and gave me a bottle of Namany Extra Strength for my troubles. I pretended to be fooled and put the beer into my bag, making a mental note not to drink it, but knowing I probably would. If Bryony is telling the truth and Yandere left the house at ten... And if Marianne Elizabeth Namany's clock was slow by 30 minutes, that would give Yandero enough time to run from briny's house and get to this spot in the woods in time to be seen by her. I couldn't imagine living in a world without the appropriate time. But I guess when you're as rich as Marianne Elizabeth Namany, time is a luxury you can afford to waste. That would mean that, even though briny lied the first time, that lie actually ended up being the truth because that lie was only created to prove the fact that Yanderu had the time to run between the two houses in the first place, which he did. But why would the deputy high priest ask Briny to lie instead of telling the truth that Marianne Elizabeth Namine's clock was wrong? Giving the deputy high priest the benefit of the doubt, I can see why he might have asked Briny to lie. There's no way Marianne Elizabeth Namine would have told the truth, because that would mean her clock was wrong. I can't see her admitting fault on anything. I casually asked her what it was like for the multipliers to work for Namini Beer. She saw right through me.
0: Those liars are lucky to have a job. We feed them, we clothe them, we give them a place to live. On top of all that, we even pay them a little so that they can get nice things. Of course they're not happy. There's nothing you or I could do that would make them happy. So don't make it out like it's my job to fix a liar that's broke. Stupid children. That's all they are. Hey, Grimalda Power here, and have I got something special for you. Join me on the weekly show, APHIS Secrets, where we dive into all things intellectual. Each week, I'll interview a different member of the APHIS Order to figure out what makes them tick, what logical, philosophical, and scientific advances we can look forward to and what it takes to become an intellectual leader in the greatest community in the world. In this week's episode, I'll be talking to the death priest, exploring an average day in his diary, what made him choose the APHIS order, and so much more. I just can't wait to share this with y'all. See you there.
1: Even if the hypothetical time gods told her to change her clock, Marianne Elizabeth Namine would probably tell them they were in fact the ones who were wrong. You would think the deputy high priest would have at least tried to convince her of the truth. I made a note to ask him about that when I finally confronted him. Okay, so, assuming that Yanderu left Bryony's house at 10, or just before, then ran towards Marianne Elizabeth Namine's house and arrived at the woods by what she thought was 10 as well... In which instance he actually arrived at around ten thirty. He can't have arrived at the High Priest Mate's house any earlier than ten forty eight, assuming Andero was capable of running seven kilometers in thirty minutes in the first place. The militia captain said he arrived at the house thirty minutes after the alarm bells rang. Samuel Franca confirmed as much. But again, Samuel Frinka never stated at what time he rang the alarm bells. The priests just assumed a narrative, and we all filled in the blanks. Samuel Frinka was the last person I needed to speak to to find out the truth. Methodism teaches us it takes three points to make a pattern. The last two points I'd found didn't align with the pattern uncovered by the priests. If Samuel Frinka's story aligned with what I'd found out then we could be sure that Bryony was telling the truth. There was no way she was in league with Samuel Frinke. He didn't speak to anyone, ever. That would mean that Marianne Elizabeth Namine's clock was out by 30 minutes at the time she saw Deru, which is almost a certainty. But if Frinka's story didn't match up to this new timeline, then he was either lying or in a similar state of mistime as Marianne Elizabeth Namine that, or, Briney was telling the truth before, and lying now, and Marianne Elizabeth Namine changed her clock to the wrong time for no reason, which was pretty unlikely. I searched the area where Yanderu was spotted, on the edge of the woods. I thought maybe there would be something there. Footprints printed in the mud. Nothing. This struck me as a little strange, though. I could see the kitchen window from here, and Marianne Elizabeth Namany still pottering around inside. But I could only tell it was her because I'd just been with her in the kitchen. If I would no idea who lived here, and I hadn't just spent time with her, if she hadn't been wearing such rare and fine clothing, would I have recognized her? I don't think so. But then who knows? At any rate, I have relatively good eyesight. Not amazing, but you know, pretty good. And it was clear to me that Marianne Elizabeth Namine did not. When she missed putting the sugar in the tea, she tried to pass it off as absent-mindedness, the excitement of having a visitor and all that. But then she faffed around looking for a cloth to wipe it all up, but there was already a cloth on the table. You couldn't miss it. It was printed with an ancient, most likely lost painting of some lady falling off a cliff beneath the painting was a sentence you may forget but let me tell you this someone in some future time will think of us pretty striking so strange that she couldn't see it right in front of her also right next to a little letter on the table she had a large old style magnifying glass the print wasn't that small I could read it from where I was sitting on the other side of the table even though the lettering was upside down to me Either way, even if she was lying about something, I'm pretty certain that she thought she was telling the truth at Yandera's trial, so there was little point in labouring on. I figured, if she was lying about something, I could come back later to ask some more questions. I mean, that wouldn't be possible if I pissed her off now. I went back again to searching the area, kind of half knowing it was pointless.
0: It's all been cleaned up.
1: That's Bertrand Namine. Marianne Elizabeth Namani's husband. While I was searching the woods, he popped up from behind a tree. Creepy. Cleaned up?
0: When the militia came looking, they took pictures and all that, and then they ploughed the area. I think they were looking for something.
1: Did they find it? Whatever it was? Dunno. Don't think so. Do you have any idea what they were looking for? No. Marianne Elizabeth Naminey and trust me, I'm more sick of saying her name than you are of hearing it, told me that Bertrand worked from sun up to sundown. So what was he doing here?
0: Yep, sun's up, I'm out, mostly before it.
1: And what brings you out this way?
0: The liars are all having noon lunch, so I figured I'd come and say hello.
1: I checked the clock on my recorder. It was already 12.45, so there's no way the multipliers were having noon lunch. I had no interest in arguing about time here. I thanked Bert for his input and we exchanged banal pleasantries. I was about to leave when he called back to me.
0: I'd appreciate if you could do me a favour. Sure. Stay away from my wife. Now I haven't got any issues with your kind doing what you do, but we don't need any more curious women snooping around here getting my may all mixed up in stuff she hasn't got anything to do with got
1: it? I told him I got it, and I left. But that was a lie. I really didn't get it. And if I needed to ask Marianne Elizabeth Namini any more questions, I definitely would. She was only too happy to be featured on the show, so why not? And what did he mean by more curious women? And my kind? I'm a journalist. Self-described. As far as I know, I'm the only journalist unless he just meant curious women generally maybe someone else came around to speak to Marianne Elizabeth Namine. I don't know and honestly I don't care anymore it's probably not important anyway more than anything I'm annoyed that he called her May sitting here bleary eyed at 3.30 in the morning it's hard not to think it would have saved an hour of my time if I didn't have to constantly say Marianne Elizabeth Namine. I listen to my recordings over and over and over again I still didn't have anything concrete I could use to corner the new High Priest, and I didn't want to go there unless I had something. The only place I would find that something was with Sam Franca, the water distiller. I decided to give myself the night to rest and think over what I'd learned so far. I went to sleep with that woman's name ringing in my ears over and over again like an earworm. Maybe it seems petty, but I desperately want to find a way to swipe the smug off her face.